Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 4th, and our passage for today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Of course, I want to introduce the book to you simply because we need to know the context of the writing. The time period is 51 AD. The Apostle Paul, as you remember, was in Troas, the ancient city of Troy, and he saw a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And Paul said, most assuredly, for sure, we knew that God was calling us west. And so instead of going into Bithynia, which was north and east, he, now accompanied by Luke, Silas, and others, made their way across the northern Aegean Sea, and they landed at the port city to Philippi and made their way inland to the colony of Philippi. Now, you can go back and listen to what I said about Philippi. It was a fruitful ministry, but there were not Jews there. But that's where Lydia, who was a great benefactor of the Apostle Paul from that day forward, God opened her heart, and she became a follower of Jesus, and her life was forever changed. After the Apostle Paul had been imprisoned there and the great story of the Philippian jailer and his family being converted to Jesus, he made his way about a 100 miles south to the beautiful city of Thessaloniki. Now, this was the capital of the ancient Roman province of Macedonia. Today, all of that is Greece, of course. Macedonia was a large province, and Thessaloniki, which was a harbor city, it is absolutely beautiful. I wish I could take every one of you there. I'm going to be taking more and more trips to follow the footsteps and the journeys of the Apostle Paul, simply because it is indescribable what God does in people's lives as we walk the journey in Turkey and coastal area of Turkey, then sail over to Greece and modern-day Greece, and we go to all of these cities. It is just fascinating. But from the hills where Thessaloniki is located in the Great Harbor in the northwest Aegean Sea, you can see all of the mountains and the snow caps around Thessaloniki, across the harbor there, across the Aegean. It is absolutely magnificent. But Paul had a fruitful ministry there. We will see when we come to the first chapter that most of the people that were followers of Jesus from the city of Thessaloniki were, first of all, Jews. There was a good Jewish population there. And for three weeks, the Apostle Paul 
uh, and Silas and his companions, they preached the gospel and shared. Remember, they shared out of the Old Testament. That's the only Bible they had. The New Testament had not been written. And so they shared in the synagogue the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, and the writings. They showed without doubt that Jesus was the Messiah and many believed, not only of the Jews, but also of those Greeks who had become proselytes. There was problems and jealousy and envy within the Jewish community there. And so Paul turned to the Gentiles and had a great ministry. And many of them who were in the city of Thessaloniki, according to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, had turned from idols to serve the Lord Jesus, the true and the living God. But after trouble there in Thessaloniki, the apostle Paul and his companions made their way to Berea, called Berea in the Bible. And you'll remember it was there that Paul said of those Bereans that they were wiser than those that were at Thessaloniki simply because they searched the scriptures, the Tanakh daily, the Old Testament daily, to see if indeed what Paul was saying about Jesus was true. And so he had a great work and was wonderfully received there. But as is the case so many times with the Apostle Paul and in modern day, when someone doesn't like what's being preached, there is such jealousy and animus that they follow people around. They did the Apostle Paul and Paul left and separated himself from the rest of his crew and made his way to Athens, the intellectual center of the Greco-Roman world at that time, and of uh, ancient philosophy and mythology. And from there, you'll recall, he made his way to Corinth where he was reunited with his companions. But Thessaloniki is a tremendous city. It's a beautiful city. It is a large city today. During the days of the Apostle Paul, it would have been the size uh, approximately of Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee in 2021 had a little over 192,000 in in the city limits. Thessaloniki was a little larger than that. It's approximated that it would have been somewhere around 200,000 people. So this was a metropolitan area, and many, many came to Jesus. And so we're going to pick up right from the start, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just stop and say that this was I believe, Paul's earliest letter. Now, there is another theory that says the book of Galatians is. Now, that could have been the case, but I personally believe the first letter that Paul wrote was indeed to the church at Thessaloniki. There are several reasons for that, but if it indeed was the first letter or certainly one of the earliest letters, it gives us an insight into just the emphasis that Paul gave in the early days of his ministry in the early days of the ecclesia, of the assembly of God called the church. The book is filled with doctrine, doctrinal truth. Not only does it tell the Thessalonians about sanctification and how to live godly in Christ Jesus, but it talks about the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
And it talks about the basic doctrines of the faith. And the emphasis I see from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 5 is the concept of the return of Jesus. This was an essential element of the early church. They were constantly looking for Jesus to come. They were in the midst of persecution and tribulation and crushing and pressure from every aspect of their life as followers of Jesus. And they were living in a cruel empire, the Roman Empire. And so the Apostle Paul continually turned them toward the coming of Jesus as an incentive for godly living and to explain to them how that time sequence would happen at the coming of Jesus. He talked about the day of the Lord, which is always in the scripture, a day of judgment. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time of tribulation that God will send judgment upon the earth and his wrath. And as you know, the great tribulation that is mentioned by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation and delineated from chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, where the church is not mentioned. It's only mentioned in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, and then it's not heard of again from chapter 4 and verse 1 all the way through chapter 19 when the church appears again at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You can read about that in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. But Paul wanted to comfort this church and encourage this church that the resurrection had not passed, that those who die in Jesus, they're going to be resurrected. And we will deal with that when we come to chapter four later on in a few podcasts. But I want you to center in on what were the essentials of the early church? And it had to do with the person of Jesus, who he is, the nature of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. On the gospel, it's amazing as we read through this first chapter that the Apostle Paul, writing from Corinth after the visit of Timothy, whom he had sent to the church to check on them at Thessaloniki because he had to leave there in such a rush. And so when Timothy came back and gave a good report, Paul said, we give thanks to God always. This is First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Many of you have gotten notes from me over the years where I use this verse for those of you that I've prayed for on a regular basis, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. There again, speaking of the God that we serve as God the Father as God the Son, and we will see the person of the Holy Spirit. For he says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. In other words, Paul didn't just preach the word. He did it in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. It was dynamic. It was life-changing. This is the real measure of the effectiveness of the gospel is life change. We in the West and we specifically in America over the last 30 to 40 years have gotten caught up in numbers and we measure 
And the very metric in which we measure the work of God is in numbers. Well, now God is interested in numbers, but if numbers are apart from the concept of souls and impact on people's lives, then we have missed the whole purpose of counting numbers. God says a lot about numbers in the Bible, very specific numbers, and not rounded off numbers, but very specific numbers. What is important to God is life change, is impact, and that's exactly what happened at Thessaloniki. These people were moved, their lives were changed, and Paul said in verse 6, and you became followers, mimics, mimetai is the Greek word, where we get our word mimic, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation. That's the word affliction, as it's translated, but it's the word thlipsis, which is the word for tribulation. And when Megale, the great, is put on it, the word great is put in front of it, it is the great tribulation. That is something we'll get into in chapter 5, talking about the day of wrath. But with great affliction, with crushing, with tribulation and persecution, with joy of the Holy Spirit, they became tupas, tupoi. They became types, examples for others to follow in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, Achaia is the area that is south of the great isthmus and canal at modern-day Corinth in Kincrea. So the Peloponnesia is that part of Greece where Sparta was. It's kind of divided from the rest, and that whole area is called Achaia, and that's where Corinth is. And so the Apostle Paul said in Macedonia and Achaia, and every place they went. In other words, the people of Thessaloniki were people who really got it. They realized that anywhere they go, everywhere they go, they take the name of Jesus with them, not only in the way they live, but in the way that they talk. And that was so dynamic when people saw the contrast, the life change, the impact of God in their lives. It was very effective and impactful upon them. And he said, from you has sounded out, the word is echo, like an echo. It's the word for a loud noise. We call an echo something that we shout and we hear it coming back loudly to us. But this is from you sounded out. There was the great echo of the gospel. It reverberated throughout that area of Macedonia and Achaia. And what happened was they turned from idol worship, from gods of everything you can imagine, to serve the true and living God, the living and true God. You see, our God is not an idol. He is not someone who is not alive. So when the living God, the true God, comes to live in a life, it has impact. It has changed. Now, people are changed at different degrees and in different ways. But the reality is that when the God of heaven and earth, the creator God, comes to live within our life, there is change. When we understand that Jesus is alive, that he's resurrected from the dead, that he is ascended, but that he is coming back again, it says that not only are we turned from other gods, but we are turned to serve. Look what he says in verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had among you and how you turn to God from idols, not just 
to the living and true God, but to serve the living and true God. God did not save us and redeem us for us to sit around and wait for Jesus to come. But we are to sound out the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the redemption of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, to turn men from darkness unto light, and to serve God. And we do that by serving Him. And the only way we can serve Him is to continually walk with Him in the Word. And we are to wait for His Son from heaven. Now, that's not sitting on the sidelines and on a bench. The word here to wait is the word to actively wait, to live our lives in expectancy that when Jesus comes, He's going to deliver us from the wrath that is to come. And again, we'll talk more about that in chapter 4 and chapter 5. And I can't wait to get there. I'll see you tomorrow. We're on the way. This is Tony Chris. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.